1: All right, I will uh, go ahead and call this meeting to order um, and have everybody, uh, all all the council people, uh, state their uh, location. Uh, I'm Bruce Cantor. Uh, I am in Las Vegas, Nevada, in Clark County.
0: Don Medley, uh, Setakit, New York, Suffolk County.
2: Ian Ferguson, beautiful Lathrop Village, Michigan, Oakland County
1: okay,, uh, so we'll we'll start out uh, tonight with the uh, first discussion item, which will probably take up the majority of the time, which is which is cannabis. Um, we're gonna be talking about the uh, uh, scoring matrix, and uh, I will turn it over to uh, Scott Baker to give an introduction, and then we'll get into uh, a lot of the questions that I know we have.
3: All right, so as I was starting to say, when was so rudely cut off last time, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there haven't been, there hasn't been many substantial changes since the last time you've seen this a couple of weeks ago, we, we did go through kind of cleaned up the points and, uh, made it so that it was a nice, even 50 possible total points. Um, and then, and then some of the other suggestions that were made at at the last study session, we incorporated that. Um, so yeah, well, at this point, I think it's probably best just to turn it over for questions and comments and we'll, we'll go
1: from there. Okay, well, I've got a lot of them, so I'll let you guys go first.
4: No, so choose. I
0: have a, a question. Um, so I just want to make sure I'm looking that basically side street parking in a parking garage. So if you're talking 47 total points, you can make 30
5: points for parking. Is that accurate? Not entirely. So we did take out the that parking deck Right, we had a that was one of the things we removed, but we did add so we we swapped them out, we swapped the parking deck for the side street parking. um the side street parking is something that we have been discussing at the planning Commission for probably actually longer in reality than i've been around here um that was originally discussed as part of the mitigation strategy for the Southfield road reconstruction and myself and Jill and uh, Scott Wrangler, our city attorney, we have uh, sat down with the uh, representatives from the road commission. We've identified, gosh, oh, like a dozen potential locations for Uh, These small side street parking lots, they're generally between six and eight uh, parking spaces between the sidewalk and the, in an alley. And they are like, I'm looking over here and then you you moved on me, Dawn. Um, So they're between the alley and, and the, and the sidewalk. And they would just fit right into that little right away, and they're meant to serve the the properties within 500 feet of that particular of that particular um, spot. So that we have design the planning commission. Bruce was that last was that last year that we came up with the the standards, the parking, the design standards. For that it may have been 2019.
1: Yeah, it might have been a couple years um, ago, but but definitely.
5: So we've got design standards uh, for these already Already envisioned. Um, we've already got the buy-in from the county. So we thought that that was a more appropriate parking ask, if you will, than the incredibly unfeasible parking deck.
0: And, and I agree with that, but when you look at the optional parking and then also the side street, somebody can earn 30 points for building parking spaces? Parking's a big deal.
3: Uh, I mean,
5: we can.
3: Yes and no. I mean, the the side street parking is is identified as 10 out of the potential 50. I didn't, the additional site improvement point scale were not included in that total, that total 50 points. So those, and I guess when I was looking at it and I did this, I didn't. I didn't take that into consideration.
5: I didn't, I never took those uh, site improvements into consideration either. Honestly, when adding up that scoring criteria. So we're, we're saying
0: 47 points is possible, but actually we have a scale that goes above 47. So we probably need to know what the total allowable point possibility could be. Um, and then the other question I had about that is when you do the the two points, energy efficient and waste wastewater recycling improvements. Five points for this. Five points for so. Just you know, being the devil's advocate here and, and and the details. If I put in a Nest thermostat at my house, that's considered energy efficient. Would that give me two points here? I mean, I just I feel like the additional site improvements point scale lacks enough specificity that it could really lead us down a path there you know if somebody puts weather stripping on windows is it per window that they get credit for that I, and please no I don't I don't want to pick at y'all but I just think when we lack some of those really specific measures we can get into a little trouble there when it becomes to the more optional things
4: right so I, 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 had will real, say, I had
1: a question. question with. Uh, you know, the five points per low impact design feature well what's, what's the definition of that you know
3: yeah I and, will that, say... that is, <clears throat> and that's something I, I will say that when we we did we kind of ran out of time putting this together last week uh in, in an effort to get it on tonight's agenda um we didn't have we didn't all sit down after it was all completed to kind of go through this stuff so yeah these, these are <clears throat> And unfortunately jill doesn't appear to be here tonight so these are pretty big um you're absolutely right i mean these need to be defined terms and i think there needs to be limits put on the, the amount of additional points that that an applicant could receive because you're, you're absolutely right i mean you could have someone claiming you know ten thousand points because they've done all these energy efficient uh, you know check items so that, that's something we definitely need to
0: and Scott, I think we can accomplish that pretty pretty easily if we say, um, as recognized by, you know, an energy efficient, as, as recognized by um, DTE consumers or something, you know, something that they would typically give credit for to a business. And, and then we're not getting into a really subjective um, notion there. I, I still am concerned the opportunity exists for somebody to get 30 points for parking and that so I think that that we could adjust that optional um parking down you know I'm okay with the 10 for side street and Susie I think brought up a great point where you know planning and zoning has wanted that and and we could leave the 10 but I think an additional 20 for for that is is a lot and then the only other thing that I really um kind of had question about, and I did mention it at the last meeting, but I didn't know if there was a reason it didn't go in. When we were talking about security and security plans and those types of things, there's nothing given here to someone hiring a security expert or or that didn't really make it into this plan. And so I just kind of wanted to know why, because again, I want to make sure with security that somebody who has a lot of expertise is creating that.
3: Well, uh, we we did talk about that, and I guess the what we came up with was how what is an accredited security person, and you know what's the definition of that? Is it is it someone that has taken an online class? Is it someone that has law enforcement background? Is it you know how do we define that, and then how do we verify that that individual is who they claim that they are? So, um,
0: I, I think if it was somebody that had a law enforcement. Enforcement background, like a minimum of, you know, five years. I mean, I, I think that you could define that in, you know, in a pretty standard fashion.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, they have experts out there that have an FBI background of 30 plus years. And I think we've seen several individuals that actually uh, came to many of our town halls that stated that. And uh, I don't think that's, uh, that's an unusual request to just have those details there.
5: I think we, when we were talking about it, it was just, you know, like for planning or for, you know, there's AICP, right? So there's, they have a certification that we can point to, you know, architects, you know, they've got their, they've got their license and their accreditation, same with, you know, engineers. So I, I don't think we're, I don't, I think that's where, I mean, that's where I was comparing things to like, what kind of security, you know, how does a security firm do that? Well, and I guess the thing I would
0: say is we have in here active shooter workplace violence training. How are we rating that training? And what standard are we using for that? So
5: I don't think think we're rating that, though. We're just saying like, hey, is that something that is part of your plan? And if so, okay, then you get a point, right? We're not not evaluating how, how good their active shooter training is. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have any idea. Obviously, that would be something that The police are going to look at and evaluate, but I mean, we're not evaluating it. Like in terms of scoring, it's just, is it there or is it not? Well, I
0: think if we have that in there, then I think Ian and I's point regarding the fact that maybe we have someone who has um, previous law, um, that they have a consultant or an advisor who has, you know, law enforcement experience. I think that would be reasonable.
5: And, um going to your your questions about like the building and the site uh, i i guess i'm used to splitting the hairs building those like the uh the additional site improvements that's the site that's not the building that's the property right like that's how i view it as as from that planning that planning ends like i look at the like the building improvements that we've got like energy efficient water and energy efficient and water recycling building improvements, that would be something that is actually to the building. Um, and the energy efficient, energy efficiency and wastewater recycling improvements under site, that would be for the site. So are you doing rain barrels? Are you doing swales? Are you doing something else, right? But I see what your point is. So I just want to make sure you you
0: mm-hmm. <clears throat> kind of- No, I I was splitting I just- that
5: hair, so we can, but- making the definitions,
0: just fine, 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 fine. I'll pause
1: for now. So I have, I have a question, as long as we're in that section of additional uh, site improvement point scale, I'm, I'm still a little <coughs> confused. So so we've got it set up so that there's a total of 50 points. And then we say additional site improvement point scale. So are we saying that in, a, in addition or above the 50 points, so let's say somebody does the, substantial new construction scores 15 points here so now will they score 65 points so that that's the that's the problem right now
3: is that when i did these revisions and and did the resolution i didn't realize that i thought that because we didn't get a chance as a group to go through the points susie assigned the points and then sent it off to me to do the resolution we didn't get an opportunity to go through and i just took her her calculation of it was 47 and then I changed it with, I put a cap on the number of points you could get for um, additional improvements for community benefit. I put it as a cap of three. I didn't go through at the end and realize that these these additional site improvement points weren't figured into the total. So that that needs to still be done. That That's a, a, a big open end because we, we should have a defined number of maximum points. We shouldn't let, um, you know, to to Dawn's point an individual that comes in and you know all of their points they may score on putting in energy efficient appliances or you know insulation and things like that I think that's going to be it's going to potentially may skew the scoring Um, so we should allow for the ability to achieve these additional points but put a limit on them uh, how many they can get and same thing for building improvements as well those should be you can get two points for building improvement and perhaps we'll give uh, a maximum of you know, six points for that as well or something along those lines. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me, unfortunately right this, as it is right now, I, I, I don't believe it's ready to go forward um, in, the, in this form. It, it d- definitely needs some more work still.
0: I think we can work on it and we can make these corrections. And we can still move forward with it tonight with with the with the resolution with corrections.
3: Uh, that's a pretty big with corrections. Um, obviously, it's council's decision, but I but I think there's a lot of stuff that this this is a this is a pretty big um, loophole that's open right now.
4: There's a special meeting scheduled for the 28th of October. Um, that would give a good amount of time to work out these details, especially if we could get the draft revisions out next week so we can get comments and move forward with it having on the agenda of the 28th. Yeah, that could work. As a suggestion. As a... Um, so
1: I had a. Bunch of questions yeah
3: keep coming with the, que- the comments and questions because we'll like I said hopefully Jim will be available at that next meeting too because uh, I
1: thought someone from her office was going to be here tonight yeah, so over over on uh, page nine of the document in section two um, there's um, talks about the full and complete copy of pre-qualification application materials and we did get an email from Paula Gibbons which seemed to make sense, and I wanted to get, which basically said, well, you know, by asking for the entire packet, you know, some of some of our clients would be would be sending in a, a stack of literally a five feet of, of paper, given the amount of uh, information that's required for the pre-qualification. So I did want to hear Scott's opinion on, on you know, should we be changing any of that, um, you know, or, or you know, was that a, you know, did that comment have some bias to it, or, I mean, it seems to make sense on the surface, so. What's your thought, Scott?
3: Yeah, no, I tend to, I tend to agree with that. Um, And pull that up real quick. Um, I do think that's, that's a lot of information that uh, that we don't necessarily need to go through and digest. Uh, And a lot of it may be repetitive and redundant with respect to what we've asked for in our
1: in our uh, application already. So, um, yeah. I are think are that there that... certain specific things that you're looking for in that, or was it, was that more of just the, having the ability to look at their pre qualification information to see if anything stood out? I think that was, um, yeah, I think that was more so just,
3: you know, this is what what we want to see everything that you've submitted to the state as well. Um, again, not, not that we necessarily have to, to go over what the state has gone over already, but. But I do tend to think that, that that is too much potentially too much information. All
1: right. So is that something Bruce, you, could, could you could you could you could rework in the in the, the 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 final version? Yeah.
0: And Bruce, while we're in that section, can we also ask the point about insurance about whether or not you should have to purchase insurance while you're applying? Yeah, I thought that, that was, was a good point.
1: Yeah that that seemed like a good point too. That was my next question.
3: Yeah, actually, all three of her points that she brought up were pretty good. Um, the third one about the competitor analysis. That's something that we kind of debated and went around with. And then I think what do we have, Susie, we changed it,
5: it to a market a market analysis. A market
1: analysis, yeah.
5: Because we figured um, you know, <laughs> the snarky answer is, well, I'm better. That's my competitor analysis. They stink and I'm awesome. I mean so we thought a marketing analysis would but be better. Um, more appropriate give us more information and you mean a market analysis not a market yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah market okay all right I just wanted to make sure okay <laughs> Yep. no because uh, marketing I was, was a marketing analysis was <laughs> elsewhere we talked about in there uh how they were gonna market the market it um that was in there at some point but
3: that's that's also part of the business plan I believe we yeah. did leave that one in because we wanted to make sure that uh, marketing, marketing strategy, strategy. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. So, so with respect to insurance, then Scott, what do what do we say? Do we say that, you know, um, you know? I think Miss Gibbons said something about you know having an affidavit in the in the application that that you know says that stipulates that they'll be naming Lathrop Village as an insured prior prior to, um, you know. Their occupancy, or you know, how yeah, and that and that's a,
3: that would be a condition too. I mean, these are all going to any any applicant that gets gets recommended and has to come back for city council for approval is going to be required to provide that that proof of insurance. And I think we can change that wording so that it's not required at the application point, but if if you were to progress to to the actual issuance of a license, you would, that would be required. And again, I don't really anticipate that that's going to be. I think most of these um, entities are going to have the appropriate level of insurance just for their own sake. And, and they'll own. be
0: insurable, so we yeah. shouldn't have.
2: Yeah, that. that's what, yeah. Insurable is a is a key point there. Yep. Yeah.
1: Um. All right, and just just to be clear, like like for the community benefits, you know, where we have thirty one, what was it, thirty? Yeah, 31 points max. So essentially somebody could select to do all these things and get 31 31 points, right? Yeah, I believe that's, yeah. Yeah, okay. I just wanted to make sure I was fully clear on that. Um, And then uh, on page 12, um, regarding the training programs, um, you know, there's four different training programs that they can each get a point for. Uh, I guess the question then is how do we ensure that that's, that's done, you know, so, you know, I, am assuming that doesn't have to be done prior to them opening, or maybe it does, Um, but either way, you know, what, what's the stipulation, what's the, you know, requirement there in terms of, you know, them proving to us that they've done it. So, so this is
3: going to be, I mean, we're at this point, we're asking them to provide us with all the information of what they're going to do. I, you know, it, that can be said for every single one of these things, okay. obviously, until they get, they get an approval, they're not going to make these improvements. So they're not going to implement these training plans. Right. But part of the pro, part of the licensing obligation is that if they are issued a license, they have to continue to adhere to all the prerequisites and qualifications. And if they don't, then that's a, <clears throat> excuse me, that's a basis for the city. To uh, issue basically issue a show cause and have them come back before council and explain why their license shouldn't be revoked for failure to comply with with the conditions that were required of the issuance of that license
1: right well I would think I would think then what we'd want to have to have have as part of the evaluators checklist or something would be a list of all these things that, you know, have to be have to be met that aren't gonna be met by the time you know that they open so that somebody is going back and checking to, yeah, to make sure that this stuff is getting done. Absolutely, and that, that's something that
3: we're also working on right now and more so an internal document for the scorers so that they can um, score these documents and, t- and keep the notes and, and their tabulations in, in one form that's gonna be utilized by everyone. Uh, again, that consistency in, in the application of the scoring uh, also, I anticipate that uh, there'll probably be FOIA requests for for the scores, worksheets, and what they, what, how they arrived at their conclusion. So, having a, a uniform document that uh, they everyone can use that will be uh, contain all that information, I think, is very important as well.
1: Okay. Um, on page Wait, no. thirteen.
0: Oh. oh, sorry. No, I yielded.
1: Oh, okay. Um, Um, page 13 the fourth bullet up from the bottom it says distance from the above is provided property line to property line i'm I'm not sure what that is referring to
5: it's talking about the distance from any facility to a proposed um from a park or any part of the buffer
3: your page numbers are different than
1: mine
5: yeah well It's it's 13 whether well, there's a document, the document page number is 13, the packet oh, page number admit. is
1: 14. No, it's 13. Yeah, but it's 14 on the packet.
5: I, 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 Can I we make it a little clearer?
0: Because I'm Yes, I'm not there really... may have been
5: words that got deleted because what we had talked about, that's in reference to the survey, right? We had originally said that yeah. they need to provide us a scaled, um, basically a scaled map showing the, their distance from any part of the buffer and right. um, now, and so there, that just needs to be, now it needs to be a survey and I yeah. probably deleted a few extra words trying to get yeah. this all right. Um,
2: yeah, and then on- so What do you, on, sorry, wait, hold on, Bruce. What are you clarifying, Susie? Can you repeat that again?
5: Um, so we had in the last draft, we had said there was two options you could get. It said you want we wanted a scaled a scaled map showing the location of the proposed cannabis facility and where it is in relation to the, the buffer. Um, and we took out the sca- the scaled diagram and we okay. said we want what we really want and what Bruce is asking for clarification from is that we really want a survey um, that defines where where this proposed where a proposed facility would be in regards to the buffer not just a scaled diagram okay
1: gotcha so, all right
5: Thanks. i think i just accidentally deleted a few extra words okay. okay
1: uh then i had well additional site improvements we talked about just defining those in a little bit more detail so they're a little more clear um and then um uh, again both paula gibbons and uh i can't remember his first name goldberg or The email that they sent—they both mentioned something about the uh, woman and minority-owned criteria that we had, saying that 25% certification isn't available from the state. That it's 51% or more. So, do we need to change the criteria there? Do you agree with those statements, Scott? Or
3: Uh, so I think there's you kind of lumped two separate comments into one. Um, The uh, Miss was it Gibbons? Um, Gibbons. Her her comment was that the the, the certification from the state is not. It, they would only be fifty one percent or greater that they would that they would certify. So we would have to rely upon some different form of certification um, to at our standard of twenty five percent. That I I think that's. I mean that could be, you know we we can make that evaluation ourselves if that if if council wanted to keep it at the 25% or we could uh, increase that to the 51% and then we would could rely on the, you know, the state of Michigan's uh, certification. So that, that's kind of a discussion for council as to how they, how they want that one to proceed. Um, Mr. Goldberg's comments were more so, uh, that he had taken a position and he had cited a couple of cases that um, are are basically saying minority points or preferences for minority-based businesses or local businesses are a violation of uh, due process and equal protection. Which I don't. Um, I think that position is a bit of a stretch for our application. Um, the cases that he cited, the the individuals are receiving significantly more points. Or eligibility, if they were an in-city business, in our particular case, I think the maximum that they would get is uh, three points out of uh, potentially, well, going to be more than fifty, but uh, so so it's not a significant number. I don't I don't feel that um, giving granting those additional points for a local business would disproportionately impact any non-local businesses. And, and, and same thing with the, the women and minority owned business. I, I don't feel that those would disproportionately impact or disadvantage a non, non-minority or non-woman owned applicant. Uh, they still have areas to, to earn just as many, if not more points and uh, other and other areas on the scoring. So I, that part I wasn't as worried about, but I did agree again with Ms. Given's points about the, um, about changing the how we what our certification process is going to be, whether that be um, you know verifying through articles of organization um, or just an affidavit from the applicant that that we would take at face value. I, I
0: right. think if if we can't meet that criteria because fifty one percent, I think you're an affidavit or you know, articles of incorporation, whatever they can provide that demonstrates that documentation, I think we should take and not make them hit a threshold of 51%. Yeah, I, I, agree.
3: I agree. I think, I I think agree. the 25% is, a, is, again, I think that just goes further to support the position that it's not a, uh, right. you know, a, a significantly uh, disadvantaging requirement. Right.
0: Um, I did have a, a, a question. Um, so I'm gonna take some of Bruce's time back. when when we were talking um, it says a charitable organization will benefit and then we go on and so but we don't outline how they will benefit and so I think benefit is is pretty subjective there Um, it says a summary of the charitable organization's impact in the city shall be included so I think we need to give it a little more specificity about how this um, organization will benefit a charitable organization. And then, as you go on down, it says the business will contribute to the city's tree replacement fund. If they give a dollar, does that count? Yeah. I mean, you know what? Are, you know what? What percentage are we asking? Are we asked for a half, half a percent of, you know, uh, net revenue? Are we asking for a half a percent of gross sales? The same with the capital improvement fund. And yeah. so, you know, this the the business will commit to a and maybe outline a percentage in, in those areas. I think that that would kind of shore up that language, Scott, and make it a little tighter.
3: Yeah, I'm a little concerned though about having, you know, requiring a private business to commit a percentage of income. Uh, to the city, I, I think that puts you on a dangerous path. Uh, whereas, if they're going to make a contribution, whether it be, you know, a donation, uh, they'll plant a tree every year, or they'll put on an event, or right. uh, you know, donate. Uh, one of the things that is on the capital improvement plan, I think that's a a better way of putting it, as opposed to saying, you know, you're going to be required to give us some of your profits. Um, yep.
0: Well, and, and I'm just offering up different, different things, but I'm I'm saying right now a business will contribute to the city's tree replacement fund. They buy one tree a year. That meets that goal for three points. You know, they will contribute annually to the city's capital improvement fund. You, you and, know, and I, I think, I yeah, think, I mean, I we think might that. be better. I think we might be better served that the business will outline how they will contribute or, you know, put the onus back on them.
2: Well, let me, can I uh, jump in on that? So regard, this actually came up when we had the committee. So, um, and we actually benchmarked a couple of cities that didn't give specifications for applicants to adhere to. They basically just said, um, there was a statement that said, uh, what can you do for the city or what um, contributions will you incorporate? And they in turn went back and detailed that. So for us to kind of pigeonhole, um, I would agree with Scott. Um, let's open it up just a little bit as as far as um, letting them come back with those ideas, and then right. we can go from there.
1: All right. Well, that's 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 why I like Don Don's idea as well. I, I think we should ask them to detail what they're going to do, you know, for for those things. So so that way, when when they put in their application that you know they're going to plant fifteen trees, then we know they're going to plant 15 trees and we've got something to evaluate them against, as opposed to saying, you know, just it will, it'll contribute to the tree placement program, you know, so that way, if if they outline what they're going to do, we can then hold them to it. And then as we're evaluating it, if somebody says, you know, Oh, well, we're just going to give a dollar to the capital improvement fund. Well, we don't give them that point because we don't think that's an adequate, you know, uh, you know, an, an adequate community benefit. Yeah, but I think we're saying the
2: same thing in a roundabout way. Yeah. Scott didn't want to get the details in there, but at the same time, we're asking the applicant to be more specific.
1: No, I I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think what Scott is saying is he doesn't want us to ask for specific details, like 5% of profits or something like that. But I think it's okay if we let them detail what they're planning on doing. Exactly. Yeah, I think you and Ian are saying the
3: same thing. And, yeah, and I agree. that's what I said. Yeah, we
1: um, we could have put that
3: burden back on them to identify right. what, what their contribution is going to be. Um, and I think we could even, I mean, we could probably even go as far as to, not that I anticipate someone's gonna offer up a dollar towards the tree fund a year, but I think we could, you know, that it has to be more than just a nominal type um, of a contribution.
2: Yep.
0: Or just, I think what you said, Scott, outlining their plan for how they're going to contribute yeah. and what they're going right. to do. I think, and, and Ian and, and Bruce both said it really well. Let them outline it.
3: Yeah, yep. and it, you know, keep in mind this is an extremely competitive process. I think right. these applicants are well aware. I mean, we're not the first city. Again, benefit of not being the first city uh, to do it. They they know that they have to come forward with with their their best work product and their their best offer, basically. Um, so I I. I Again, I don't anticipate that we're going to see a whole lot of applicants that are coming in and saying, "You know, I'm going to do the bare minimum." I think, I think, I'm hoping that we'll be impressed with what we get. Yeah.
2: Okay. Other other
1: questions that people have?
2: Oh, you stole all the questions, Bruce.
1: Oh, that's why I let you guys go first.
2: <laughs> Actually,
1: scrolling Scott, Susie, down. Anything? Anything? From you guys on cannabis?
5: No, I got a lot of notes. I should have used something other than a green pen.
1: Well, can can we? I mean, what what I would hope is that you know, after hearing and discussing all these these questions and issues, that we can get a a draft relatively soon. Because what I don't want to happen is when we get to the special meeting on October twenty eighth that you know we we you know start picking it apart then and, and then don't have a you know because council's council's goal is to complete this process um so if we could get it i mean is it possible is it reasonable to, to get it by the end of the week so that we can look at it and forward comments and then uh um you know be ready for the october 28th special meeting yeah i think so i mean
3: honestly we just ran out of time last week when we met um it was like a mad dash trying to, to get out before five o'clock so because everyone had other commitments so we, we spent a couple hours on it um i think one more session like that based on you know implementing the comments from this evening and the, obviously the things that were we picked up here uh, is going to be more than sufficient to have this done and as long as we can meet this week which i think we can
1: it, i don't see that being a problem yeah i just i i, I don't want to rush it but i want to make sure we get it right and uh but also you know meet council's goal of of you know uh acting on this by the by the end of our term so
5: i do want to um kind of give you guys a i know we talked about it um i mean we have the survey up right so um we still have great a great response rate i mean we have 34 people have responded which is disappointing i i would like to see more but um i had generally uh most of the comments um in terms uh, of additional projects, um, they really all focus on um, improving parks and rec uh, facilities, making playground imp- uh, improvements, um, continuing to focus on the on infrastructure improvements, um, and making and, and prioritizing police department. Um, improvements. So there, um, there's several comments in here about, um, you know, just not wanting cannabis. Um, so while I appreciate those comments, they don't quite fit into the capital, you know, the, the, the capital improvements end of things, um, with the, with the larger, uh, projects, physical projects, but, um, generally, I just wanted to give you those uh, those highlights. I'll have a report for you guys um, at the twenty eighth meeting if that's
4: what you would like. Okay.
1: Yep. So. Okay. Anything? Anything else cannabis related? Just CIP related. Uh, the the
2: the responses on those thirty four. Was it more leaning towards more infrastructure or or parks and rec, or is it split right down the middle?
5: It's pretty much split. Um, it's pretty much split. The at the, there, out of the gate, like there was a lot for, um, right. A lot for Parks and Rec, and um, and and actually, I have a meeting set with a, uh, uh, a company um, later this week that has provided a, provided Chris a quote. So I'm following up on some of those other things. So there's, I, but I'd say overall, it's a pretty, a pretty good split i mean it, and i don't want to say they you know make it sound like there wasn't other good suggestions i mean there's good things in there they just don't all fit within the capital improvements thing you know like um oh let's see
2: there was another so, so was there an outlier that did fit um that was maybe uh something to consider Because it sounds like we just had like two categories there. Did you have any outliers that said, oh yeah, we had one person that came up with a really interesting idea that could, you know, we need to flesh out.
5: Not, not totally. Um, I mean, there's other things like, you know, make aesthetic improvements to Southfield Road. Uh, Okay. I, I mean, you know, or like, you know, like the people grooved on the banner and flower basket program. So like continue to do something like that. Um, You know, there was a lot of also emphasis on um, we'll improve the, improve the, the, the buildings on Southfield road. Well, those aren't things that those are great. And I would love to see those happen, but we don't have control of those private of that private property. So that's right. You know, their good goals to strive towards will continue to work for them, but they can't, it's not something that we can necessarily include in this kind of plan. That's, you know, so good ideas, just not all, like I said, within that CIP box.
2: Yep, understood. Thanks.
5: Yep. Okay, um, so let, let's move on
1: to the next discussion item, which is this, this staff reorganization for the uh, director of building department positions. Uh, Turn that over to Cheryl, I think.
4: Yes, thank you. And if you recall, we had already started some of the reorganization, and this in particular relates to the recreation position. And if you, um, from our last meeting, what we did was a portion of the responsibilities, in particular for the special events, have been shifted to. Corey Dahl, who is the DDA manager special projects. So um, we are sharing um, the salary for that position with the DDA. So this is the second phase because another part of the responsibilities that were Chris's when he was here was the maintenance of the building and um, grounds and things of that nature and the safety, which became a um, component through the um, COVID um, crisis situation and a requirement that we have someone dedicated to that. So what I am suggesting is that we now transition those specific responsibilities to um, the position that's currently the code enforcement officer because he's already working with the building department and facilities and the maintenance of the building and grounds and upgrade that to being a director position and the um, salary is already um, shared with the DDA, mm-hmm. and this would not change the dollar amount that the DDA is contributing to the cost of the position. So this increase would be um, totally borne by the general fund from the recreation position, uh, which would be 7,000, but that still leaves the, a little over 40,000 in that position so that we can make further decisions relative to how we're going to offer the recreation programming. And before you ask, we're already in conversations with the City of Southfield in regards to that. And we have a meeting coming up with SMART so that we can um, have a conversation in regards to how we can coordinate um, providing transportation to various um, programs that may be offered by the City of Southfield, whether at their facilities and program sites
2: or with the later village sites. So we're moving forward with those as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you know, and then the, uh, the, the uh, maintenance uh, position that you just um, highlighted, that gives that person an opportunity to grow within that, that space and, and learn more. just put more under his belt, his or her belt. So, and it, if it's just a wash as far as no increase, no uh, salary hit against the city, I, I think it's a it's a win win there.
4: Yeah, I agree. I think it makes sense.
1: But, but as as the person who spent uh, several years, you know, trying to get code enforcement brought back in house and you know get us to a full time position, I just have one question. Um, and and that's so he's going to be taking on extra responsibilities. So what what I want to know is 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 there an estimate of you know uh, how many less hours of code enforcement will we have because of it. So obviously if he's going to be doing some maintenance tasks, you know, he's not going to be able to spend quite as much time uh, on code enforcement, which is probably okay. But are we talking, you know, a loss of a few hours a week? Are we talking a loss of 10 hours a week? You know, how how does that, how does that fall?
4: It hasn't really been a loss in terms of the code enforcement because there was always, I guess, administrative tasks. Um, associated with the position, um, what happens with those administrative tasks have changed more than anything. So he was already doing um, things related to the building department and supporting with the permits and coordinating those efforts, Um, already working on policies and practices relative to the building department and how we are trying to upgrade and um, get those fine-tuned, I guess you would say. So some of these things were already happening, and um, he's been doing it without any real impact on the code enforcement. And we still have Kelda as backup for code enforcement, um, especially when he's not there or just isn't able to do all of those services. So um, we're trying to get as many people cross-trained as we can so that we're not fully dependent on one person to do any, everything. So it's, it's been working well. He's already been doing it. Um, and so I, I don't think it's really gonna have a negative impact on the code enforcement because we all recognize that is a priority.
1: Yeah, so what I'm but, hearing is not is not significant.
4: Correct.
0: And, yeah. and I, I would make an assumption and I wanna make sure this is accurate that when we didn't have code enforcement, there was kind of a catch up or a lot, or I mean, there was a lot more time in the field perhaps and so now it's more of a maintenance or dealing with um, reports or violations, but we don't have a backlog where we need to survey. Is that accurate, Cheryl?
4: That's fairly accurate. And um, Bruce has done a lot of walking, so we get all those reports. And um, the three-click fix, a lot of people are starting to use that that's um, building up significantly. So we have a process in place that helps to automate some of that. And people now know and businesses that we are um doing code enforcement so more than anything there's a self-monitoring because they understand that they're going to be contacted
1: okay anybody, anybody else with questions on on this
3: i just i had one quick question on it um and and just maybe a suggestion more so than anything but given that it's a new director position um cheryl any thoughts on on opening it up Obviously, not only for internal applicants, but opening up for external applicants just to see uh, what, if any, interest uh, and qualifications that the city might attract with this new higher paying
4: position. I had to unmute. Sorry. That's a thought. If I didn't think that the incumbent was likely to... um, prevail in getting the appointment, I probably would open it up or if I thought they weren't qualified. Um, So everyone in a new position is given essentially an interim for the first three months and we do an evaluation. And so if it should not work out, then we would definitely look at what are the other alternatives or even um, look at reassigning the position in a different way if it wasn't a good fit that was working out. So there's always flexibility in it.
3: Okay, I just, I again just wanted to throw that out there just because it is, it went from a part time code enforcement to a director, a department director position.
1: So, well, actually, it went from a full time to a director position. Well, it it started initially started out as part time, then it went to full time -time and then went to, yeah, so.
4: Right. And and it's not dissimilar to what we did with the DDA manager, um, who started as an intern essentially, or with even Susie's position as the director. So,
3: there is precedent i just like yep. to just throw it out there
0: while i understand there's precedent cheryl and, and i do want to be really careful and and, and kind of honor and and weigh what scott is saying mm-hmm. when there are times that positions are created or that they evolve um it is sometimes nice to open up those searches because where someone may not have applied for a part-time position, or they may not have applied for a lower level position, this might actually be something they might wanna be interested in. And historically, um, folks who have been attempting to break into certain positions have been disadvantaged when there isn't an open um, search process. And so I I think it is just good that, that we have justification and reasoning for not doing that if we don't open it up and and create an open applicant situation?
4: I definitely understand that, but I also, uh, one of the realities right now is a very strange job market, and you might get a lot of applications, but most of them are not from qualified candidates, so it's extremely difficult and challenging to get, um, people who truly have the experience that we're looking for for any of any of the positions that we are trying to fill at any time. It's it's an unusual job market right now. And one one more pushback against that. One more pushback
0: is how many director level positions in this realm have we
4: posted in the last two years? Not a director level, but the deputy um, finance position, deputy treasurer position. And we have not been able to fill that. That's, but I think that's a really different skill
0: set. I mean, I'll I'll defer to you as, as the expert, okay. but I think Scott's bringing up some really good points about why we might want to consider a search. Yeah, and I, I
1: don't necessarily disagree with you, Don. the one The one thing though, like, that feels a little different about this to me in some way is is that it also feels like, you know, in some way, this is this is a promotion with basically the this, this same job just. Getting a little bit more responsibility that's been split off from from somewhere else, so it 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 justifies the the director title, but it really feels to me, you know, also you know just as much as a promotion as it is us creating a new job. So,
0: and, and I think that framing is 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 really helpful.
1: Yeah. I think
2: the evaluation period is, is uh, valid, so you can see if the person actually will fit nicely in the position, and if he or she doesn't, then um, Dr. Mitchell has the ability to assess it after several months and then go from there. Um, one quick question regarding the deputy finance person. Um, is it that we can't find a qualified person, or is it just that we just haven't had many applicants or no applicants at all?
4: Oh, we've had plenty of applicants um none that were um, remotely qualified basically there were a few that were qualified and we even extended offers to two and they accepted other positions so it's it's just extremely challenging so one trying to create promotional opportunities within and two um, quite frankly our salaries are not competitive enough to attract the talent that we really want to have. I was going to ask you that. So yeah. um, creating these promotional opportunities, one, help to keep the talent that we've invested in, but also gives them at least some recognition of their skill set in a title, even if it's not in the compensation. Yeah.
2: So how far off are we on the competitive competitive salary? Is it way off or is it on the very low end or is it pretty close?
4: And uh, let me. <laughs> my I mean, you don't have to give percent. numbers
2: just on the scale. I mean, we just we're trying to understand, you know, what the gaps are, and if we can meet, if we can help fix the gap, then we should assess it. So, how far off are we?
0: That that might be something that might be worthwhile taking up, kind of as an overall comprehensive, to really look at, you know, how our city salaries are competitive,
4: you know, across the board. Well, and we have this um, before I even came on board, the city had taken the um, survey through the MML relative to the salary um, and um, job descriptions. So we did make that adjustment. I think it was two years ago. So the only exception at this point would be um, this is essentially a a position that was not considered at that time in doing that evaluation.
2: Yeah. All right, we could talk about salaries later if you'd like.
1: Yeah.
4: And I just wanna note, there was a comment um, that we definitely wanna capitalize on the investments that we made in the existing staff and, the, and that's what we're trying to do.
1: Yeah.
4: And save um, taxpayer dollars in the process.
2: Yep, I think you were covering that and I think someone asked the question in the chat. So, yeah, yep. Yeah.
1: Okay, let's let's move on to the next item, which is uh, Indigenous Peoples Day, and well, I guess that's going to be Cheryl as well. You're on mute, Cheryl. Okay, I
4: want to remind you it's six thirty also. But um, uh, the, isn't
1: the, the next the next meeting's not till seven though, right? Seven.
4: Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. No, no. Lower. Okay. okay. For the Indigenous Peoples Day, I think it was two years ago that council passed the resolution 2018 they passed the resolution to recognize indigenous people day versus Columbus day. But at that point we didn't really discuss if you want, if if it was your intention to make that a city holiday. And I know that Southfield is and um, a number of places, including banks and credit unions are closed, so as we're trying to make the calendar for next year. I just wanted some direction from council on if you wanted um, Indigenous People Day, the first Monday of October, to be recognized as a city holiday.
2: So open discussion. I think in passing, we just vaguely talked about making it a holiday, but it wasn't any you know, concrete discussions. I know we, we had the resolution and that was it, but um, I think it should be a holiday.
1: Was was, was Columbus Day considered a a,
0: a um, city holiday? Not in Lathrop Village.
2: Okay, right. in Southfield, but not yeah. Lathrop. Yes. Do,
0: do they have a different holiday that they
4: don't take in Southfield? Not that no, I'm aware no. of. Usually, it's Columbus Day and Presidents' Day were the right. ones that, you know, through union negotiations, you either had them or you didn't have them. But I don't recall them um, not having Columbus Day. Right. So Cheryl, I think there's
0: capacity and and desire for this. I think what might be helpful is to know how do we compare with other municipalities in the number and, and the particular holidays that we're offering to our employees. And maybe if we could, you know, see that and, and make a decision there. And then the other side of that is, does the possibility I- exist, you know, for for someone to to designate a floating holiday as opposed to, you know, I, I just, I'd like to see what, what others are doing in this and making that.
1: Yeah, can okay. we see that for the 18th, maybe Cheryl?
0: Okay. Or I'm
1: sorry, the 28th? Twenty
0: eighth, yeah. Okay. And, then, and, and I and I do think there's appetite for this, Cheryl. I just I just want to know, but thank you. Yep.
2: So we've already benchmarked Southfield, so let's see what Berkeley's doing. And I believe they have both of those holidays in place.
0: That's
3: a great idea, though, to see what else what other cities are doing.
1: Yep. Hey, Salim, as as long as you're here, can you state your your location?
3: Oh uh, yeah, Salim Siddiqui, Lathrop Village, Oakland County, Michigan.
1: Thank you. All right, let's uh, move on to mayor and council comments. Um, any council comments from, from anyone?
2: Yeah, I have one. So, and and I, uh, I submitted a C-Click fix couple months back. It's regarding, and I don't think it's classified as a culvert, but the culvert that's directly across the street from the troops house So we know that's Michigan First's property, right? So we know there is a a ditch or a pool of water that's collecting in front there. I don't think it's a culvert. I believe it's just an indentation that should have been resolved a couple of years back. Need to find out if that's actually uh, the responsibility of Michigan First or the city of Later Village. And we need to resolve that quickly because it's been out there for a while. Is it, is, it on,
1: is it on Red River?
2: Yes, it is, it's right on Red River, directly across the street actually.
1: And, and it's on the road itself?
2: Yes, it is on the road itself.
1: Yeah, then my guess is it's probably our responsibility, not, not, uh, not Michigan first.
2: Okay, so can we get someone to assess that? Because I'm not sure if it's a culvert, to be honest. That actually used to be a driveway.
1: Are are you? Are you I'm, I guess I'm a little confused. Are you saying that the water is pooling on the road? No, it's pooling on the
2: side of the road that appears to be a culvert, but it's not an official culvert. It's okay. So it's it's, it's just a low low lying area. It's a low lying area that's starting to become a culvert when in fact it isn't. Okay. So you
0: said you submitted it on the, the thing. Could we maybe yeah. have Cheryl follow up and see what the, the resolution was or what they found out?
2: Yeah, I would appreciate that, Cheryl.
4: Yeah, I think I've I've seen that one come across. And I referred it to this um, city engineer, Scott Wrangler. So I'll, I'll let you know. He'll have to get someone out there to take a look at and try to figure out what's the problem and who's responsible for the resolution.
2: Okay, no problem. Okay. It, may, it may have an issue to do with a buried line somewhere because I recall there was an issue there. That's why some of the trees aren't planted strategically. They had to accommodate either a buried line or something to that effect. So hopefully we can
1: get some resolution there. Okay. Thanks. Don Salim, anything? All right, I got I got a few um, just a few, few status items um, just wanted to check you know I brought up at the last meeting about potentially raising the curb on the entrance to on the westbound entrance on a 696 off of 11 mile um, did have we heard if you had a chance Cheryl or have we heard anything from the road commission about the possibility of doing that not on that one and it's
4: not ringing a bell so we'll have to talk on offline a-
1: little bit more about that one okay okay uh, um, and then so i uh, i'm guessing that rami so i know we had talked about having rami start you know doing a little bit more assessing of of um uh culverts and ditches um especially in the 19 miles that we're, we're not going to be repaving um and so we talked about you know getting him trained up on, on and you know kind of picking off the low hanging. Have we we started doing that with him yet or
4: actually we received a communication from Scott Wrangler and he wanted to do a different approach because he didn't want individuals doing um, the clearance of their ditches in particular uh, because of the sloping and angle that it needed to be more of an area project. So he wanted to approach it in a different way and possibly even looking at the special assessments to get those done if necessary. But to do individual um, houses did not seem to make sense because there is a, is a area that has to be um, continuous for the flow. All right. Well, let me let me I'll, I'll, I'll add that to
1: our infrastructure committee okay um because you know while, while i agree with that statement i also disagree with that statement so you know you have you have issues where you know again the 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 across the, the street you know on on my house is a is a classic example um where the ditch system works perfectly the problem is, is the last house before the storm drain has a big root in there so it causes the ditch to back up all the way down the street mm-hmm. and that would be that would be you know of a a, a simple low hanging fruit like i'm talking about but i'll 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 add it to um to our 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 meeting on the fourth i think it is of november
4: yeah and it might be helpful to look at it more holistically and say which ones um, make sense for an individual to address and which needs to be part of a systemic um approach to it
1: yeah yeah so all right i'll I'll add that as a discussion item and then uh, on a related note i noticed in the in the um in Rami's report for for this month, there were two instances where residents were caught filling in their ditches. Um, and one, I just want to make sure that we're we're following up. I assume he is, but just want to make sure we're following up. I know he's told them one of them. I think he said he's told them twice to get the, you know, to get the dirt out of there. Um, but the, but the one one thing I saw in the report that that kind of struck a chord. I think it was with uh, eighteen. 318 Rainbow, um, you know, he he, he talked about, uh, you know, the resident had filled in the ditch, um, but the resident told him he was going to build a channel so that the water would flow. Um, I just want to make sure that if something like that is happening, our engineers are involved. I mean, a resident doesn't get to just, you know, build, build the, say, say they're building a channel and, and you know, they're, they're done and they get to do what they want to do. I mean, it's got to be done Appropriately, there probably should have been a permit pulled, um, but I, w- I want to make sure that that that's happening in that particular instance because it was a little irksome reading, uh, reading the report. And again, Ronnie probably was doing all this, but I just wanted to to put my two cents in there.
4: Okay.
2: So, oh, quick question, Bruce, and maybe Cheryl sure can answer this. So, if we see residents filling in their their culverts, is there any kind of uh, fine or anything like that after we give a warning
1: well i think i think rami can cite them for code violation um okay i think that i think that's the stick okay um and and probably uh, scott you correct me if i'm wrong you can keep doing that until they until they you know pull the pull the the dirt out of the ditches and restore it back to its original condition
3: yeah there there would that would be generally with a citation that the corrective action would either be done by the resident or cited individual or the city would get an order to do that corrective action and then assess the cost back onto the property
1: okay thank you yeah and then and then the last thing i had um you know while i was out canvassing the last uh or yeah, last week, last weekend, I, I as I've done a lot has come across our officers and I was chatting with one of them and I was actually pretty surprised, you know, he had indicated that, you know, he had had a couple stops where he had, uh, um, you know, stopped people who had warrants, but, uh, but we end up letting them go because, you know, the, the, um because we don't have a holding cell and the, the other. The other jurisdiction you know couldn't come get them immediately or in the near future so they just tell them to let them go um so i, I guess one one thought i know we've we have been talking about a you know a, a, a police department overhaul um we we did that's the the at least an initial study um you know to to, to build out a, pro, a more proper um police department but uh it just it just, it just got me thinking whether or not there's a possibility i mean maybe maybe they they looked at this in terms of like just adding a holding cell so in these kinds of situations you know the right thing is done um and again i don't know if that's a possibility it probably would mean we'd have to have staff and you know other amenities around that which would probably be just one step shy of the whole you know, redoing of the police department, but I it was just a thought so.
4: Yeah, and I don't know if you wanted a response today, and I can't tell if Chief McKee is on the zoom call with us. I know you had difficulty signing on, but one, you know, redesigning the space that meets the current requirements um, for a holding cell and two, the staff that would um, probably be required to monitor it. It would make it a little bit cost prohibitive. Um, but That's what we I
1: figured,
4: may but may need to take a look at how best to utilize um, the services that we have with Berkeley relative to the. Um, the the re- hotel space that they provide for <laughs> the <Right>. visitors <laughs> and how to best transport them, um, because I know everybody's short staffed and can't really uh, don't have a lot of time to have officers
1: not on patrol, right. right? And then you know, obviously, if we transfer them to Berkeley, then we're charged on a per day basis for you know, for, you know. So as long as that other jurisdiction takes to get there, we end up eating that cost. So, right. But it was just, it was just, it was just surprising. Like, oh my god, we just caught two uh, two people with warrants and we're letting them go. But uh, I mean, but I'm unfortunately, it's probably. Normal. I say,
3: unfortunately, that's pretty common, especially when it's uh, on the other jurisdiction to come pick up their prisoner yeah um, you know we'll hold them for a reasonable amount of time but we we certainly wouldn't overnight lodge them uh on a warrant pickup and and i could tell you just you'd be amazed Bruce, how many even when we have them at the court you know hey certain city south of us do you want to come pick up this individual with a, <laughs> multiple warrants in your community no I'm sorry we're not, we'll just advise and release okay mm-hmm. so you know it, it happens a lot and yeah. um you know it just is, it
1: kind of is what it is. All right, any other comments? If not, I'll, I can open it up to public comment. Yeah, quick quick question
2: regarding San Rosa. So San Rosa is pretty dug up when it comes to, uh, I think Water Main, I think maybe on the on both sides of the street. So my concern is that, um, you know, we're getting close to leaf pickup, we're getting close to a colder weather and the entire street is like, <laughs> it's like a bombed out street to be honest um is there a plan to actually get the street close to operational um, yeah prior to because it's you've you've been down that street half of it is blocked off
1: and it's just it's a nightmare right now yeah so so there the 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 plan is is well for starters the the overall plan is that they'll be repaid both both san rosa and wiltshire wiltshire is in a little bit, a little better shape right now than San Rosa is, but um, the the, the plan is, is that those will both be repaved next, next summer. Um, But excuse me, in the, in the interim, they're supposed to be putting down a, you know, a thin asphalt coat over the, over the the dirt for the, um, uh, where the water mains were 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 replaced i mean that the the hope was that we would be able to repave them this year but the timing didn't work out we knew that that was a very strong possibility and it'll be the the same thing when we do the water main on on uh, golden gate next year uh from 11 mile to south hill road um you know we were hoping that uh you know we'll be able to repave it next summer or next fall um, but again, it's all going to depend on the timing of the yeah. of the road project, you know, it's just too expensive to bring them all back again, you know, right. um, the mobilization charges would just be huge. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so the idea is to put down temporary asphalt so that they can get through the winter and, um, and go from there.
2: I understand. They're filling with sand now. So I, I'll let the neighbors yeah. know because they they don't have any timing on it. And the, and the weather's really not, you know, acceptable right now. So. Okay, appreciate that. (laughs) All
1: right, if there's nothing else, then I will open it up for public comment on any topics. Um, Individuals are limited to three minutes and uh, we'll go ahead and open up the session.
4: Mr. Luckett has a question. Mr. Luckett, you're able to speak.
6: I am, thank you. Uh, My name is Howard Lockoff. I'm uh, at 29777 Telegraph Road in Southfield. I am the CEO of New Standard, which is a vertically integrated cannabis company, wholly owned and operated by Michigan residents. We currently operate eight dispensaries in Michigan and have served and several others in development. We pride ourselves in the design and operation of our facilities and we work hard to be a valued member of the business community and the communities generally in which um, We uh, we operate. I'm also a commercial real estate attorney and a practice in both private and as in house counsel for a significant area business and development team. We have undertaken due diligence and planning for a proposed provisioning center in Lathrop village and are looking forward to pursuing a licensing assuming the city adopts an ordinance allowing us to proceed. As you probably know the marijuana licensing field has become a hotbed of litigation because of challenges to the process the scoring rubric and decision making in many communities. We are not litigious, but our projects have been delayed because of lawsuits filed by disappointed bidders. We received a perfect score in one community and we ultimately did not get a license because before the licenses were issued, there was litigation, which we did not participate in. We were recently awarded a provisioning, provisional license facility in another city and when that city that license was given uh, the city was immediately sued by disappointed bidders challenging the scoring rubric. While we are not parties to that lawsuit. Our project will undoubtedly be delayed and impacted by the litigation. We believe in succeeding on the merits of our plans. And if we do not succeed, hope that the process and scoring rubric are immune from successful attacks. Here we have some significant concerns about the city's proposed scoring rubric. The lion's share of the achievable points all relate to community benefits rather than dealing with the actual cannabis operations and business, such as the strength and business experience of the operator, the nature and design of the facility, and improvements associated with the new business, and other key components to a successful business operation. We absolutely believe and support community benefits, and the communities in which we operate will support and confirm our commitment to the communities. But the rubric here, appears to be entirely subjective and it could easily be construed that the licenses go to whoever pays the most money. To achieve the most points, one has to contribute to a charity, to a tree fund, and to a capital fund, none of which has anything to do with the proposed business. For example, how much do you have to contribute to a tree fund to achieve The three points, $500, $1,000, $10,000, or is it just based upon who contributes the most money? The requirement that there be a side street parking lot, which provides the single largest number of points is vague and may not even be applicable to properties in the city on which such a use would be permissible. It is one thing to ensure that employees receive a fair wage for working in the business, which we support, but another to require that 25% of the businesses be owned by a city resident. There may not be city residents with the background or experience in the cannabis business, and the requirement seems to achieve no purpose other than enriching somebody who's not otherwise qualified. I'm only giving you these examples, not because seconds.
4: Mr. Lockoff, you, your time is up, sir.
6: Okay, thank you.
1: Are there other, other people who would like to speak?
4: Mayor Pro Tem, there are no hands other hands raised at this time.
1: Okay. Uh, all right, so I think that is it for the agenda. We reconvene at 7 p.m. as the Zoning Board of Appeals. And um, yeah, so uh, I will, I guess I'll go ahead and adjourn this and we'll meet back up in I don't know how many minutes, about 10 minutes. Carol,
0: we have a different log on for that one, right? Yes. Okay.
1: All right, thanks for your time, everyone. Can you stay on for one minute? I want to ask you one question about the ZBA meeting that's coming up. Sure.
2: Thanks for your time. I'll Thanks see everybody. You on CBA.
4: Hiya. Yeah. Bye now. And I believe Kelvin needs to stay on because she's the host of the meeting.
3: Okay. Who should address stay on?
1: Scott Baker. Oh, okay.
2: Right. See you in a bit.
1: Or actually, Scott, I could just call you. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys.